0: Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston show. All right. So I have a lot of things that I want to get through in today's episode and I'm going to get to the election stuff towards the end of the show because there's only a few developments. Otherwise, most of the things are the same, but there's also a lot of stuff that we need to cover. Some of it is funny. Some of it just goes to show further examples of the two tiered system that we live in. Now we'll start off with today's episode with AOC. Yes, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And no, I cannot pronounce it the way she would expect everyone to be able to pronounce it. I'm physically unable to pronounce it that way due to a tongue tie. So, you know, there are certain things like rolling the R's or whatever that I can't do in Spanish. But, you know, just another humiliation for AOC where her complete ignorance backfires. And But it's not her fault. It's the ignorance of the entire left. You know, where they keep trying to go off and attack conservatives, but conservatives keep coming back. They attack conservatives on YouTube. So then we go over to Rumble and we find out that Rumble gives us even greater success. They attack us on Twitter. We go over to Parlor, Boom! same thing. I know they attack us on Facebook. We go over to MeWe and we find out that we gain a lot more success on these other platforms than we do be on the traditional platforms, because it turns out when conservatives aren't censored, their content is very popular. So (laughs) this is just humiliating. AOC, if you remember, uh, when the executives over at Goya Foods had come out and supported Trump and Trump promoted their foods, called for a boycott. And it is hilarious how that has turned out. And this seems to be, well, a running theme with the left. Right now, if you're a company or you're a corporation, you want the left, you want the biggest figures on the left Call for a boycott of your products and services because they are the best marketers for you. They are the best thing that could happen to your business. Take a look at this.
1: Oh, yeah, just announced its employee of the month. Okay, you can see who it is, Ashley. I know it's AOC.
2: Now give me the story. Yes. Well, look, I don't know if uh, AOC's picture is on the wall at Goya Foods, but God knows she's earned it. AOC named Employee of the Month earlier this year after she supported the boycott on Goya because CEO Bob Unanu praised President Trump. After a round table at the White House with Hispanic leaders, oh my gosh, how could he? But the boycott backfired and led to a counter-movement supporting Goya that saw sales increase by
0: 1,000%. You know, it's like the left never learns anything. How many times have we gone through this scenario? They call for a boycott. Boycott this, boycott that. Oh, they are supporting some conservative. Uh, they're supporting the president. They're supporting this Republican candidate. They're supporting this Republican congressman, senator, governor, whatever the case is, or this conservative voice on TV or podcasts, whatever it is. Whenever the left calls for a boycott, whenever any one of them uh, individually or as a group, if they're a prominent figure on the left and they call for a boycott, then sales skyrocket. They go through the roof. Republicans and conservatives gather around and we actually go through and give those people preferential treatment in our buying decisions. And so it was very funny because Goya actually took this a step further than most cases, uh, rather than just coming out and going, yeah, this boycott was great. You know, our cells are up through the roof. They took it a step further and named AOC, who was calling for their boycott, employee of the month because she did more for their sales and revenue than anybody else. I mean, it is amazing how often these things backfire on the left, but the left never learns. They deliberately never learn anything. They'll take a failed idea and say, we need to go bigger, bolder, more of it. All right. That is the whole heart of the left. They implement a bad idea then the bad idea fails, and their idea is, well, we'll double down on that bad idea. No, no, no. We're going to expand that bad idea. And sometimes it's not necessarily that it's a bad idea, it's just being ran incompetently, you know, because it's half run by the government or mostly run by the government. And so it is completely incompetent in its operations. And therefore, the government's idea, at least according to the left, is we need to do more. We need to give them more responsibility. We need to have them do more stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, I got a video here. But it's like, wait a minute, let me get this straight. This agency or this organization or this government entity or partial government entity can't even do its current job competently. And you want to expand their authority? You want to expand what they do? I mean, this is why we have so many things going to crap in this country. Is because the left keeps expanding bad ideas, implementing bad ideas. They are just completely stupid and insane. So what am I talking about? Well, Bernie Sanders has come out with what he thinks is a great idea. Oh, you know, once I play this clip, I know it won't need any further explanation. As to why this is a bad idea. But you know what? We'll talk about it for a moment. Welcome
1: back. Stamps and a savings account. Bernie Sanders supporters are calling for postal banking a system which would allow local post offices to offer banking services such as checking and savings accounts, check cashing, bill payments, ATM services, even offering low-interest loans. Sanders has supported this in the past, saying it would help protect lower-income Americans from predatory lending practices. Steve Forbes, your reaction to this? Well, here we have a service that is losing billions of dollars a year, needs a government bailout, and they're going to go in the banking system. Good luck with that
0: you know, that really goes off to show just how bad the left's ideas are. The fact that you can summarize what their idea is, and then explain why it is horrible, all in a very short clip like that. So yes, let's take an an institution, the post office that has a hard enough time actually getting the mail delivered on time and to the right people and put them in charge of banking. And yes, we must expand loaning in this country. We must expand the ability of people to get debt in this country as if we don't already suffer from some type of debt crisis. I mean, how many people go bankrupt each and every year from credit card debts, from personal loans, or even on their mortgages buying houses that they can't afford? Yes, we must expand the ability of people to go into debt and go bankrupt and do so through an institution. That is already on the verge of bankruptcy, and can't even handle what it's supposed to be doing right now. Yes, I, I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong with this. Okay, now now that we got through some of the crazy news, let's go ahead and start getting into some of the serious stuff because the left is out there monitoring Trump. You know what pardons is he going to do? He already pardoned Michael Flynn. You know General Flynn. Is he going to pardon his kids? Is he going to pardon, you know, his campaign workers? Is he going to pardon, preemptively pardon members of his administration? Now, they're asking this while simultaneously threatening to prosecute President Trump and anybody who has ever been connected to President Trump once he leaves office. I mean, here we go. We got people who are still in elections threatening to take away your guns, wanting to tax you out of your ability to have guns, take away your First Amendment rights, and then want to punish anybody who is on the political opposition, anybody who politically opposes them. I mean, the last time we had a Democrat in the Oval Office, there was massive widespread abuse of power, using the powers of government to target political opponents. And now they're not even hiding the fact that they plan to use the power of government to target political opponents. It's, it's insane. And so they want to go off and say, is he going to preemptively pardon stuff? And, oh, is he going to try and pardon himself? And would it be an admission of guilt if he preemptively pardoned everybody? Now, the ability to pardon is at the sole discretion of the presidency. And it's a plenary power. He can do it for any reason for anybody. It's solely up to him what he wants to do. There is no limit to the president's ability to grant pardons to anybody. And no president has ever tried to pardon themselves. So that question has never been answered. Now, why is it that somebody who is innocent would think about issuing pardons? Because usually pardons is generally defined as an admission of guilt, but not in 2020, not with the way the left acts. With the way the left acts, with their constant abuse of power, malicious prosecution, and corrupt judges, issuing pardons as a way to try and protect people from malicious uh, prosecution, from politically motivated prosecutions, from absolute corruption by the Democrats who are just seeking to punish their political opponents. And we saw this with how judge what is his name Solomon acted in the General Flynn case especially now that General Flynn was given a pardon and the case was dismissed because remember this judge tried to refuse allowing the case to be dismissed even though the prosecution wanted to drop the case even though it was proven that the you know charges were bogus that the FBI lied about the charges lied about Flynn lying and how they coerced a confession by threatening his family. But that didn't seem to matter to this judge. So what does this judge do? From legal insurrection, Judge Emmett Sullivan, parting shot at Michael Flynn, dismisses case against Michael Flynn as moot in light of a presidential pardon, but spends over 40 page detailing why Judge Sullivan thinks Judge Sullivan was right. So here it is. We got a situation where Michael Flynn was proven to actually be innocent of the charges. He didn't actually lie. You know, you got a situation where he summarized because remember, he was being asked about a phone conversation that he had a month earlier. He didn't have an opportunity to consult with his notes. And by the way, even if he did consult with his notes, he's not going to remember word for word everything that he said and everything that the other person said. Also, you got to wonder why was the FBI even asking questions about this phone call, right? You, you got to wonder that because there was no crime, no evidence of crime. Nothing, it was a pretty typical phone call, but they decided they were going to go after. Him. And Comey, Comey even admitted that under normal circumstances, they never would have had an opportunity to interview General Michael Flynn, the national security advisor, but they took advantage of a new administration coming in and the chaotic times of a transition in order to get away with this con job. And so what they did is they went to Michael Flynn and they started asking him questions about this phone call. And so he started answering questions. Of course, the first thing going through his mind is what's your security clearance? What's your need to know? right? Because he was given no indication that he was being interviewed as part of any type of investigation. And I would say the National Security Advisor trumps FBI agents, you know, in a situation where there's no known investigation going on and withholding information due to, well, what's your need to know and what's your security clearance. All right. But beyond that, their idea that he lied. So let me put it to you this way. He goes off and says, hey, what did you have for breakfast? This is just an example. And he goes off and says, well, I had eggs, hash browns and sausage. Well, what happens? Well, then they decide that they're going to target him for lying because he didn't specify that it was scrambled egg or shredded hash browns or maple cured sausage links, not plain old sausage patties. And so they tried to say that he lied. And then they went off and tried to coerce him into a confession by threatening to target his family. All of this has come out. The FBI's purposeful and malicious targeting, the fact that they had no basis for an investigation, the fact that the only point of the interview was to try and get him to miss uh, misspeak or say something uh, that they could use in order to claim that he lied. You know, and so all of this came out And as a result, the Department of Justice, in light of all the information, tried to drop the case. Well, this judge decided, no, you're not going to be allowed to drop this case. I deem that you're not going to be allowed to drop it. You know, it doesn't matter that the evidence shows that he's innocent. It doesn't matter that you no longer want to prosecute. And that is part of your prosecutorial discretion. You know, this judge decided, I do not like Michael Flynn. I do not like him personally. Therefore, I want to see him punished. I want to see him go to jail for something. This is a judge that put politics above the law. And so he was trying to target and go after Michael Flynn simply because he himself does not like President Trump, Michael Flynn, or the Republicans. It is amazing how this judge tries to go off and act like he has any credibility. And so why would uh, President Trump, knowing this situation, knowing that there are a lot of judges like this Judge Sullivan, who thinks that they are themselves the law, that no other law matters except for what they declare on the bench, that they are not only the judge, but they are the jury, that they will determine who will and will not be prosecuted. I mean, just the only way to get this judge to dismiss a case in which you had a provenly innocent person being prosecuted and prosecutors trying to drop the prosecution. And the only thing holding it up was the judge. And the only way to get the judge to allow the dropping of all prosecution was to just issue a pardon. Knowing these type of judges are out there, and this is far from the only judge that is out there that is like this, Trump would be wise to go out and start issuing pardons preemptively for anything and everything under the sun you know, just say, uh, you know, a presidential pardon for any crimes known or unknown to exist, right? Just make it as general and as broad as, you know, broad as possible, right? That way, it gives the left absolutely nothing, nothing with which to target them with malicious prosecution, because we know that it doesn't matter whether or not they committed a crime because, well, let me put it to you another way. It doesn't matter that there is no crime with which to prosecute them with. They're going to still use all the powers of government, you know, at the federal level and at the state level in order to target Trump because, well, Trump had the audacity to run for office and win. Okay, so there is another story that is out there that is kind of interesting, just kind of showing the stupidity. Uh, of the left and how they understand absolutely nothing. And once again, proving Republicans right about what does and doesn't work. So here it is from hot air. After eight years of gun buyback program, California shocked to see gun violence still rising. Hmm. I wonder why that is. So who would be the ones bringing the guns back to the government for a gun buyback? Uh, Law abiding citizens maybe the left trying to do some virtue virtue signaling. And so it turns out as law-abiding people disarm themselves, criminals feel more confident that in a given situation, they're the only ones with guns. And as such, as being the only ones with guns, they know that if they go into a particular situation to rob someone, chances are they're going to be safe you know they're going to be going up against a defenseless victim so is it any wonder that gun violence is on the rise in california yes ultra liberal california the we have the most restrictive gun laws in the country oh wait maybe that is chicago but california has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country and yet they are competing with chicago and new york when it comes to gun violence I mean, this is something that we on the right have been talking about for a very long time. That when only criminals are armed, that tends to lead to a very bad situation. That tends to lead to a place where, well, no consequences means, well, they can just do whatever they want. Right? And of course, they'll probably wear masks so you can't identify them. And as long as they never actually have to shoot, well, it's going to be hard to match who the criminals are, right? Okay, so there is another interesting story. And then one more, and then I'll get into the whole uh, election issues uh, that are going on right now. And an interesting twist to the election. Okay, so one last issue. Yes, we're going to talk about aliens. Oh, yes, aliens. So as you notice, Throughout the year, the Pentagon has been releasing, well, photos and videos of unidentified aircraft moving in such a manner that no earthly uh, aircraft could actually move. And then there was that one release about materials or debris or, you know, things recovered from, well, vehicles not made of this Earth statement do you remember that when they said, yes, we have recovered uh, data and uh, material objects from vehicle off world vehicles not made of this earth, which is an interesting way uh, to go off and try and describe what an alien aircraft is. But now there's a story out there where someone's going off and saying that, yes, you know, some Israel intelligence officer saying, yes, aliens are real, and that Israel and the United States have been in touch with aliens, um, have actually communicated with them. Trump was going to expose them at one point, and then they convinced him not to. And then there's a little bit of a twist to that. And it's an interesting twist, because if we were to go through and connect some of Trump's previous actions, then maybe it might seem to have some sort of credibility to the idea of aliens. I mean, I don't know. I'm just going to go ahead, play the video and let you decide for yourself.
1: Aliens exist, and President Trump knows about it. That's according to Israel's former space security chief. In an interview with an Israeli newspaper, he said, the aliens have been waiting until today for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand in general what space and spaceships are.
2: Well, this is quite a story, and it comes from the man who headed Israel's space security program for nearly 30 years, Chaim Eshed, is making the extraordinary claim that the United States and Israel have been in contact with a group of aliens for years, not immigrants, but extraterrestrials. He has called them the Galactic Federation of Aliens. And he says President Trump is aware of the existence of these aliens and had been on the verge of revealing their secrets, he claims, but was asked not to do so by the Federation in order to prevent what he calls mass hysteria. Though, remember, a year ago, he did set up the Space Force as the fifth branch of the U.S. Armed forces well we did ask the white house the department of defense and israeli officials to comment so far they have not responded to the nbc news request and i wonder if they ever will
0: you know what it's 2020 so i guess anything's possible and they have been slowly releasing things that tend to give all this alien talk some credibility so i have a few questions here one is our government dumb enough to be sending them something of value for nothing With our government, you never know. We always talked about how we never wanted to find life on other planets because our government would be dumb enough to send them money. Okay, number two, how much influence do they have over our government and over our body politics? Inquiring minds want to know, are they leftists? If so, why are they allowed anywhere near this planet? Two, or uh, not two, but whatever the next question i have is are they conducting the experiments on the human population if so is that why the left is so crazy deranged and out of their minds you never know it could be okay okay so i had a little bit of fun there but now it's time to get on to some of the election stuff so apparently there is uh well i guess this isn't really new information. We've all known that foreign governments and um, foreign uh, countries have been hiring lobbyists to try and influence our elected representatives at the state and the federal level. I've always wondered why it is that foreign governments are allowed to lobby our elected representatives. I mean, think about this. They're supposed to represent us. I don't get why anybody not connected to my state has the right or ability to go through and start lobbying my legislatures, you know, start lobbying my elected representatives to advance their goals to the detriment of, well, me and everybody in my community. There should be a law out there that says, hey, if your client uh, has no relationship, presence, or no, I guess I should say if your client is not a U.S. citizen, you should not be able to take them on as a client for the purposes of lobbying elected representatives. But of course, that is not going to happen. Why? Well, because foreign governments are able to not only lobby our government, but they're able to funnel money In order to push agendas and push our elected representatives into certain positions, Uh, they have a little loophole in the law. But it goes beyond that. Now, when I'm talking about little loophole in the law, what I'm saying is, okay, so let's say somebody who's not an American citizen who doesn't even live in the United States, they want to push for certain policies and agendas. So, what do they do? Well they can't exactly donate directly to politicians. So if they wanted to push Democrats in a certain direction, they would find left wing groups. And they would then donate money to those groups. And then those groups will pay people to be full time protesters, activists to go out and, you know, gather in masses or put together, you know, events in order to what they call protest or you know, lobby the legislature in order to do certain things. But also, these groups can then take money that they've received in donation because, well, they're not a political candidate and they're not uh, a political action committee. These could be groups like, let's say, Black Lives Matter, right? Now, they're a political group, but they're not an official campaign, campaign committee, so on and so forth. So they can connect. Or collect donations from all around the world, and then they can use that money to organize to push our politicians in a certain direction, or they could donate to certain politicians because the money that they're donating isn't necessarily you know coming from the foreign source you know it's just a little accounting trick, but that type of influence uh, which has been going on for quite a long time. Hells in comparison to something else that may be going on. So let's go ahead and take a look at this video. go a piece for the Wall Street Journal,
1: and you say China is targeting members of Congress with six times the frequency of Russia and 12 times the frequency of Iran. What is behind Beijing's aggressive approach? So they want laws and policies out of the United States that are favorable to China. And what they're really trying to do is through blackmail, through bribery, through overt and covert influence, trying to make sure that only laws that are favorable to China are passed. Have you been to Capitol Hill, and have you briefed this threat information to lawmakers? I was so troubled by what I saw from the position as the director of national intelligence that I went and briefed both the House and Senate intelligence committees on this information, which they found surprising and troubling.
0: Well, isn't that interesting? So this goes beyond the typical scenario, whereby, let's say someone like George Soros. George Soros decides he wants to fund Black Lives Matter and Antifa and say, hey, I want you to do XYZ. I want you to organize. I want you to put a bunch of pressure on your legislatures, your elected representatives, in order to push for policies such as, and then name it you know, name, uh, whatever particular policy that you want and go, Oh yeah, by the way, if you don't do this, I'm just going to stop donating to you. Right. And you could call that a quid pro quo. Right. And so these groups having lots and lots of money from, and I'm just using George Soros as an example here, but using lots and lots of money, to push for policies that are bad for the United States, but good for these foreign actors. And they're doing so because, well, as much as they want to say socialism, they're really capitalists. They go wherever the money is. So there's that. But now we're getting into a situation where there is a deeper influence peddling, and it's even getting into blackmail. Now, as far as the influence peddling campaign uh, outside of blackmail, there's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal. And it goes on to read Consider this scenario. A Chinese owned manufacturing facility in the U.S. employs several thousand Americans. One day, the plant's union leader is approached by a representative of the Chinese firm. The businessman explains that the local congresswoman is taking a hard-line position on legislation that runs counter to Beijing's interest, even though it has nothing to do with the industry uh, the company is involved in, and says the union leader must urge her to shift positions or the plant and all of its jobs will soon be gone. Uh, The union leader contacts his congresswoman and indicates that his members won't support her re election without a change in position. He tells himself he's protecting his members. But in that moment, he's doing China's bidding, and the Congresswoman is being influenced by China whether she realizes it or not. Well, isn't that an interesting situation? So they have ways of influencing our government without our elected representatives, even though they're being influenced by China and that the positions that they're being urged to take are not positions that the union or these groups necessarily, you know, want, care about, or even find value in. But they are compromised by China, feeling like, oh, my God, I got to do this thing, or a thousand people could be out of work and unable to feed their families. What do I do? Or, hey, you know, we all quit our jobs because this You know, um, protest group, you know, now gets a large source of funding. Oh my God, they're about to cut off our funding and we're going to have to go back and get real jobs again if we do not advocate for such and such. And so, as far as the Congress people are concerned, these are legitimate, you know, views of their constituency. And so, while they're doing the bidding of China, they actually think that they're doing their job to represent their constituency. But, that isn't necessarily the extent of it going through to these, you know, private left wing groups. And I'm sure they even go through and do some on the right as well. I mean, it's interesting that we can see groups that claim to be conservative, you know, build themselves up as great conservative leaders and build uh, other groups um, that are not actually conservative, but build themselves up as conservative. And then they promote each other. I mean, that's kind of, you know, the circle jerk is uh when a group of people raise up multiple organizations and then they all praise each other as credible in order to build this false sense of credibility. Hey, look, these other five organizations, they think this one over here is a real good solid, you know, uh con- conservative group or left-wing group or you know, whatever. But the influence peddling goes even beyond that. And you know what? China isn't even hiding it. China's not even concerned that we're going to find out that they are, well, engaged in a multi-faceted uh, campaign to target and influence our elected representatives. In fact, they openly brag about it.
2: What's
1: there's a lot of garbage floating around the internet right now, a lot of fake things. That video is real, and those subtitles are accurate. We checked today with two different Chinese speakers and confirmed that. What he just said, what you just read on the screen, tells the story. This is as close to a smoking gun as we have ever seen. Quote, We have people at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence. According to the man you just saw, that has been true for decades. So who are these people, and how many of them work in our media and in our government? Well, he didn't say precisely. At one point in the video, he described a Chinese agent working as a vice president at, quote, a top Wall Street financial institution. I can't say more, he explained, without making political trouble. Didong Sheng did tell his audience that one agent in particular was especially useful, and he goes on at some length about her. He describes her as an American who's lived abroad for many years, who is now a Chinese citizen.
0: I'm shockingly unsurprised by this. Just, I'm just not surprised that China has been able to go through and build up influence by getting their people into certain key strategic locations. And I suspect that it goes beyond just getting people around circles of influence within the government I have a feeling it also deals a lot with businesses. In fact, a clip that I'm going to show you next uh, does point out that they do have a sphere of influence in business, and of course, it's no surprise. I mean, let's take a look at you know credit card companies going off and announcing that hey, you will no longer be able to use our credit cards or our debit cards, you know, for access to your bank account for the purchase of firearms or firearm accessories, and of course. They don't even need to have people within those businesses in the strategic locations. China is a billion person market. So all they have to do is go off and say, Hey, you must advocate for these certain policy positions. You must use your business in order to enact, you know, such and such, name the policy, or you're going to lose access to the Chinese market. That's a billion potential customers that you're going to lose access to. And this may explain a lot about Facebook as well. If you notice, Facebook and Twitter have been really cracking down on censorship. YouTube, I'm not sure what is going on there as far as whether or not they're letting off the censorship or going even further into censorship. But Google does tend to censor a lot. Why is that? Could it be because, again, China is a billion person market? What would happen to Facebook if all of a sudden they lost a billion users because China decides They're going to block access to Facebook within their borders. That's a billion people that are not going to be able to log on to Facebook, see the ads, and generate revenue for Facebook. That's a lot of money. And Twitter, which is not nearly as big, but still, they want to be able to have access to that billion person market. What would happen if all of a sudden Twitter is no longer allowed in China? Now, Twitter doesn't actually have a billion users, so I'm not sure it will affect Twitter nearly as much. But I can see where, you know, China is putting pressure on Facebook and Twitter and Google to go off and censor certain stories or censor certain viewpoints that the Chinese government doesn't like or you're going to lose access. We've seen this uh, with Europe where, you know, Europe. Uh, enact certain laws regarding online censorship uh, regarding you know what is and isn't allowed, and then Facebook and the other social media platforms will take the laws that Europe passes and implement that here in the United States because I can imagine that it's very hard to set different rules and different content moderation policies for each individual country. So what they're going to do is take what the strictest country is and apply that worldwide. Therefore, whatever, you know, laws are being passed to censor the internet overseas is going to be de facto how they implement their platforms here at home, turning themselves into publishers. It's amazing how much other countries are able to influence our own country, influence our businesses, who, who then in turn influence are elected representatives because businesses have a lot of money it's no doubt that you know Facebook can go out there and donate a lot of money to a lot of politicians, and of course politicians want that money want money going towards groups supporting that politician. So if Facebook were to go out there and start telling these certain politicians, "Hey, you need to back off this vote. You need to switch your vote. Otherwise, I'm going to take all this money that I have and fund your competitor. So it's very much a layered situation here, where they're going all the way down to the grassroots organizations, all the way up to the big major corporations. And it's starting to make sense why these major corporations are taking political sides. I mean, think about it, it never really made sense to me why a bank would go out and take a political side and alienate half the country alienate half their potential business maybe it's not because they are incredibly stupid and incompetent maybe it's because they're being threatened to have their access to the chinese market a billion people be cut off completely and hey maybe that's why journalism has died in the united states because hey You know, CNN uh, has international operations. They want to be able to broadcast in Europe. They want to be able to broadcast in China. They want to be able to broadcast in all these other countries. And therefore, they have to have programming that appeases these governments or they're going to be cut off. And if CNN had to rely solely on their broadcasting here in the United States in order to stay afloat, they would go completely under. So it, all this influence peddling is really, soph- well, it's sophisticated when you get down to it. It's, it's layered. It's like an onion. Just as you start getting to one layer, it, you find more depth, more layers. And yes, this does end up relating to the election. And I'm building up to that and I'll explain how I think all of this is connected to the election here in a little bit. But I'm building this up for you so that you can understand just how, you know, the type of operation China is engaged in. So let's go ahead and take a look at this other piece from Tucker Carlson.
1: Oh, Donald Trump, he notes, because the Chinese do pay close attention to what we say here. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. Those are real, he just confirms. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Why big business aligned as one, the tech companies and the rest, to suppress that story, because they were implicated in it. Back in October, we interviewed a man called Tony Bobolinsky. We interviewed him because no one else would. Tony Bobolinsky was a business partner of the Bidens. Here's what he told us about China. And in a document that you guys have, and uh, I think it's been provided to you know to the world, the Chinese reference that because of their trust in uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they reference loaning five million dollars to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. Now,
0: if you were to take that and you were to put it into the context that President Trump no one has been harder on China than President Trump. You could almost say that President Trump has been very devastating to China, China's ability to influence China, China's uh, markets, China's dominance, in a lot of other areas. And so you could imagine here that when we came to an election and there was a chance to be able to finally get rid of President Trump and put in someone who is Well, more controllable. Someone who is gonna implement policies that are favorable to China rather than putting America first. Someone that they can control, maybe through a blackmail file. Then you can understand why it is that when the story broke about the Hunter Biden emails, that Twitter and Facebook went to immediately censor, remove, and block the story from ever being allowed to circulate before the election. They've gone through and went through information suppression. And why it is most of the media on the left refused to acknowledge what was going on with the Hunter Biden story or tried to downplay it. Could it be because, as far as the major networks are concerned, you either kill this story or you don't get access to the Chinese market? You know, and so therefore they complied. They went off and let the mighty dollar speak and they went off and let China be able to manipulate our elections through information censorship. Isn't that interesting? But it goes even further than that. I mean, all of this is as disturbing as, you know, as it is. It goes even further. See, they started going off and uh, with these influence campaigns, they also started creating blackmail files, not just on Biden they've been creating blackmail files on a lot of politicians. In fact, they've been going through and they've been strategically identifying up-and-coming politicians, those that have the potential to make it into the elected office, and grabbing onto them very early on in their political career in order to influence them, in order to be able to get within their sphere of influence but also maybe so that they can get some blackmail files on them, get them into some very, how should we say, compromising situations. Now, there's an interesting article that came out uh, from Axios. It's not a site that I use very often, but they do point out some interesting aspects of this story. They point out that a woman at the center of the operation, a Chinese national named Feng Feng or Christine Feng, targeted up and coming local politicians in the bay area and across the country who had the potential to make it big on the national stage through campaign fundraising, extensive networking, personal charisma, and romantic or sexual relationships. Yes, they were willing to sleep with up and coming politicians in order to get influence and who knows what else. You know, and they were able to do this with at least two Midwestern mayors Feng uh, was able to gain proximity to political power, according to a current and former U.S. intelligence official and one former elected official. It goes on to say, Beijing has engaged in a highly sophisticated malign foreign influence campaign, FBI director Christopher Ray said in a July 2020 speech. These efforts involved a subversive, undeclared criminal or coercive attempts to sway our government policies, distort our country's public discourse, and undermine confidence in our democratic process and values, Ray says. It even goes further in this Axios piece. It even states that they were able to get into a particular politician's campaign and was able to get operatives and, you know, interns inside at least one politician's office uh, that we know of. Someone that they were able to latch on to uh, when they were very much young in their career, didn't have a national stage, but had the potential to make it big. And we know who this is. In fact, I'm going to reveal that here in just a moment. You may already know. And so I'm going to go through here and I'm going to lay this out for you a little bit. So I think what is going on here and what we haven't quite figured out is that this influence peddling that they have done whether it is through threatening our corporations by blocking them uh, from the Chinese market if they don't capitulate and advocate for policies that well China likes uh, whether that's you know Facebook uh, credit card companies it's their you know helping to fund certain political groups and organizations uh, in order to advocate for, you know, policy positions that China would like, you know, or it doesn't even have to be pro-China, it just has to be anti-America, you know, weakening us so that there is no ability or will to retaliate against Chinese operations around the world. All right, so we can go through and take a look at all of that. But I think there's also a little bit more to the story that we haven't got onto, When we take a look at how they have been trying to get into certain politicians, those who have the ability to make it on the national stage and have a lot of influence, I think what they've been doing is cultivating them and gathering dirt, whether that is getting certain interns into their offices in order to collect data from them, data that you know if it was ever revealed would be a career ender for that politician in fact it should be a career ender if you have foreign spies working in your elected office All right so i mean that right there should be a career ender and it wouldn't be the first time we have found foreign nationals And foreign spies working in the campaign offices, or not even the campaign offices, but the Capitol Hill offices of our elected officials. Now, the media will gladly report it when it turns out they've been able to infiltrate Republicans, but they tend to ignore it when they've been able to infiltrate Democrats. But I think by latching on to them early on in their career, they can also influence them to do certain things, you know, to party to live it up, you know, to engage in certain activities that they would otherwise be uncomfortable with, but did so just because they thought it was something that they needed to do in order to keep the support and win office, which then means by the time they get into office their very first time, they're already compromised. I mean, we've been going off of the assumption that, you know, our politicians are just completely stupid and inept, and that's why we get such crap policies well, you know, when we take a look at the left, and when we take a look at the right, we think it's because they're spineless, they're unprincipled. But maybe it's just because there are that many people in elected office have been compromised by the Chinese government. And so we can go off and we can, you know, speculate a little bit. But I'm going to go ahead and play this last clip here. And then I'm going to go ahead and tie it into the election for why it is I think we're seeing some of the things that we see. So here is one more clip regarding the Chinese influence campaign. A blockbuster
2: story happening on Capitol Hill this morning. Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell, who sits on the House Intel Committee, reportedly has ties to a Chinese
1: spy that alleged agent apparently trying to influence American politicians. And now Republican lawmakers are demanding answers. Eric Swalwell, who has used his office to promote Beijing's talking points, almost word for word, ones that matter, by the way, a man who admits to a close personal relationship with an actual Chinese spy who helped him get elected to Congress, raised money for him, and put an intern, probably another spy, in his office, that man continues to serve on the House Intelligence Committee where he has unrestricted access to classified information.
0: Huh. Isn't that something? Eric Swalwell, here's a guy whose only claim to national uh, prominence. Is the fact that he had gone through and attacked President Trump on the whole Trump-Russia collusion story? He was out there swearing up and down all over the media. I mean, not swearing as in cussing, but swearing that you know President Trump was compromised by a foreign power, was being blackmailed and controlled by a foreign national, uh, foreign nationals, you know, by Russia's government, by Putin himself. And then it turns out that Eric Swalwell himself may be compromised and being blackmailed by a foreign government in order to advocate policies favorable to that government. And I suspect he's not the only one. I would probably suggest that Adam Schiff is probably another person that has been compromised and being blackmailed by the Chinese government. You could take the most prominent Trump-Russia collusion hoaxers, And if you dig enough, I'm sure you'll find out that they have been compromised by the Chinese government. And why is that? Well, Trump was not controllable by the Chinese government, unlike uh, Obama, Biden, and unlike Hillary Clinton. Trump was an uncontrollable factor. And so they needed to find a way in order to try and mitigate or limit all the damage that he could do to the Chinese Communist Party. And the trump Russia collusion hoax was a great story for them. It was a great way to try and divert his attention and you know limit how much Congress may be willing to cooperate uh, with him in enacting certain policies, believing that okay, maybe he might be under the influence of a foreign power. It's interesting as we go through and we take a look at this story and to try and figure out just how many politicians on both sides have been compromised by China and maybe some other foreign nationals uh, as well. I mean, it would make a whole lot of sense as far as some of the policies that they implement that put America last. I mean, take a look at Joe Biden. He's going out there and he was trying to basically put America last when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine and immediately trying to go out there and claim that he's going to distribute that to the rest of the world. Before we here in the United States get vaccinated by these vaccines created by American companies inside the United States. Isn't that amazing? So they're going back to this America Last policy in order to serve their real masters, not us, the voters, but these foreign governments. Now, how does this all relate to the election? Well, let's take a look here. We have an election in which there is a lot of evidence of fraud a lot of evidence of irregularities, an election that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And no, I'm not saying that the Chinese government was behind that. I'm saying that, you know, the Democrats are well, you know, into election fraud, that they would pull it off themselves and that they would coordinate with other groups or businesses in order to try and pull off this election fraud. Businesses that themselves may be compromised uh, by China. But then again, they don't really need to be because these voting machine companies are owned by foreign governments who have their own agenda, their own reasons for wanting to rig the elections and collude with the Democrats in order to do so. But what's interesting is taking a look at the Republicans, Republican governors, Republican secretaries of state in light of all the evidence of fraud and irregularities, proclaiming that they're not going to do anything about it. They're not going to investigate any of it. They're not going to do any forensic audit. They're not going to do anything to audit the vote to ensure the integrity of our election. And this has been strange to us trying to figure out why it is that Republican governors and secretaries of state. I mean, we understand why the Democrats wouldn't do that, because they don't want to get caught for the election that they rigged, but in Republican-controlled states, it's been baffling. No, it's been baffling why they wouldn't want to investigate this. And maybe we know why, because they themselves are compromised. Maybe it's because they themselves are being blackmailed, whether that be by China or any other country in which Trump's policies has been benefiting the United States at their expense. Now, I would say that China, in addition to everything else that they're doing, getting into these financial firms and maybe setting up, you know, certain insider trading transactions in order to dirty up certain politicians uh, so that they can go through and say, Hey, look what happened here. We can release this. No one's going to believe you. You're going to end up in uh, jail or you're going to lose your seat, or you could just do us this little favor and vote. Or maybe it's that the politicians are dirty and that China has been able to get their operatives in certain financial institutions, investment institutions, and other institutions in order to be able to collect data on these politicians and evidence. I would even go off and say that China probably has a lot of operatives and spies. I mean, there's a lot of people in China whose jobs while they're going off and maybe pretending to be building up businesses here in the United States and shipping products overseas and you know they're providing jobs and income to people but that business may just be a front in order to get their agents here in the United States to follow around these politicians to try and collect evidence and dirt you know going through and using surveillance You know, um, whether that be surveillance microphones, uh, cameras, you know, whether that be pictures, videos, catching them cheating on their spouse or engaging in other illegal activities and then going, hey, you know what? Here's a file we have on you. This is just a copy. We need you to do XYZ for us and find a legal way to do that. Or in this particular case, in this election, yeah, this election was fraudulent. There's a lot of evidence of fraud and irregularities, but don't you look into that. Oh, no, don't you look into that. Look at this file we have on you. Man, this is some really horrible things. You're going to lose your office. You may even be prosecuted, depending on what it is. Or you could just refuse to investigate the election. You could just refuse that. I know I dropped my pen. Anyways, you could just refuse to investigate the election and let this fraudulent election go through with Joe Biden, who will be much better for the Chinese Communist Party. You could even say the same thing when it comes to these judges. We see a lot of judges making a bunch of stupid, irrational decisions that don't make any sense, that aren't even in line with the law. First of all, they're tossing out a lot of cases without even looking at the evidence, just claiming, oh, you don't have any standing. Or they're tossing out cases claiming latches. You know, you couldn't sue before the election because it was too early. No one's been harmed in order for you to sue. But you can't sue after the election because, well, you can't change the rules now. It's too late. You're getting caught up in this Catch-22. Well, how did this Catch-22 come about? Are these judges compromised? Are they being blackmailed? in order to ignore the evidence and just toss out all these lawsuits related to the election. I mean, right now, that is the only thing that makes sense. And remember, we're in a year that has been completely crazy. And we're now getting videos and photos of alien spacecrafts and Pentagon and mission of, yeah, we've recovered stuff from alien spaceships. So is it really that far out to say that China, with all the other influence uh, peddling that they've been doing and all of the operations that they've been going through to dig up dirt, get themselves implanted in various governments, various corporations in order to pressure and influence our elected officials. Is it really outside the realm of possibility that they've been coming around uh, for years now, following politicians, following judges around In order to dig up as much dirt on them as possible so that in situations such as what we see in this election, they can blackmail them. Don't you dare look into it. It's, it's going to destroy your career and you, Hey, look, this one right here is going to land you in jail. All you have to do to avoid jail time and keep your office is ignore the fraud, ignore the evidence. Don't even allow this lawsuit to be argued before the court. That's how I think this kind of ties in to the election, all of this. Why it is we're seeing so many Republicans turning a blind eye to the election fraud because it's not just the Democrats that are compromised. I think there's a lot of people in the Republican Party that has been compromised as well. Can you think of any other explanation why it is in an election with so much fraud and irregularities? with so few people having any faith or trust in this election, why it is they would refuse to do an an audit of the election, to do a forensic audit of the voting machines and the mail-in ballots. No, no, no. They only want to pretend like they're doing something, like the recount. Well, if they're just going to keep recounting the fraudulent ballots, or in Georgia's case, it didn't matter what they came out with in the recount, it was the secretary of state dictating to each county what the recount numbers should be uh, what the outcome of the recount should be it wasn't that the the different counties were doing the recount and then reporting the numbers up to the secretary of state yeah they were doing the recount the numbers didn't match and then the secretary of state came out and said you must use these numbers these original numbers that you had come out with So even though they had done a recount, they weren't reporting what the accurate information from that recount was. They were dictating what the outcome of the recount would be. Hmm. And yet they're also going through and refusing a forensic audit. Now, luckily, as expansive as China is, they can't get through to absolutely everybody. They can't get to every judge and every politician at the local, state, and federal level, which is why we had that ruling out of Michigan saying, yes, you can do a forensic audit of these voting machines. We'll give you access to do this forensic audit. Now, of course, that assumes that the machines haven't been reset, didn't have all the data erased, and the software updated. After the election, so we'll see what the results of that forensic audit is. I haven't been able to find any information on the results. I'm sure they're still going through and you know putting together all of the data and the report and getting that report ready for release. But it's also interesting that you know these same Republicans are not willing to call in, in an emergency session of the legislature in order to do um, more investigation. I mean, they're basically doing absolutely nothing to try and build up a confidence or restore confidence in this election. They don't seem to care that nobody has any faith or belief in the in this election. They're willing to let it go through without a single investigation or audit. I can't think of any other reason why that would be. I mean, you can take a look at Trump derangement syndrome, but even that only explains so much. So, I don't know. You let me know what you think. Do you think what we have found out as far as the extent of Chinese influence or the Chinese Communist Party influence of our government and of our corporations, of all this information coming out, if you think that is also related to the reason why we see so many people resistant to doing any type of investigation, looking at any evidence, or allowing any hearings? in which the judge actually reviews the evidence. Do you think it's because China has been able to compromise these people, these Republicans? Now, we understand that China doesn't really need to blackmail the Democrats on election fraud. You know, China is just like, oh, the Democrats, you know, they engage in the fraud. They have their own motives and reasons for why it is they want to cover it up. So they're only using their blackmail files on the Republicans. But I'm sure with as insane and crazy as the Democrats are, advocating for policies that would be very harmful to the United States, that a lot of that has to do with them being compromised and blackmailed. And what we are seeing is those who are actually standing up, demanding the audits, wanting to take action to ensure the integrity of the election. Those may be the only politicians that we have that are not compromised by a foreign government like the Chinese Communist Party. All right, so let me know what you think. If you're watching this on video, leave me, you know, comments. Let me know what you think. You know, click the thumbs up. If you haven't already, hit subscribe, notification bell. You know the drill over there on YouTube. I do everything, again, over on Rumble, on BitChute. Uh, If you're listening to the audio version on the podcast go ahead and make sure that you've hit subscribe, share this on social media all over the place, especially on Parler and MeWe, where when you actually post something, it actually gets seen, you know, is not censored. So go ahead and do all of that. Thank you so much for watching. And I will be back again soon.